Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. Um, the superscriptions are usually generally accepted to be a little bit later. Um, a little bit. And I'm willing, to, I'm willing to believe that that superscription was added probably during the Maccabean era because that is when uh th- this psalm is listed as the psalm that you that you read during Hanukkah oh. and uh so it is it is associated with the temple dedication yes uh which is you know the, the Charlie Brown the Hanukkah special I believe Linus comes out and re- recites this, I, doesn't I he? Think the we pageant? may be conf- conflating some stories here but uh, that happens. yes that happens yeah. Yes, the story of when Judas the Maccabee really saved the town and gives toys to all the, the good boys and the Hanukkah pageant. <clears throat> sure, sure. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I am Robert Wallace. And I am Michael McKeever. And we are doing two in a row, even if it's a little bit late. That's exciting. Yep. Uh, these are the readings for September the 22nd, 2019, proper 20. The 15th Sunday after Pentecost of year C, and I don't know how else I can identify it for you than all of that. Man, has it been 15 Sundays since Pentecost? It has Man. been 15 Sundays since Pentecost. Just sales, time boy. just flies, doesn't it? Uh, we have four texts. We do the consecutive reading. So Jeremiah 8, 18 through 9, 1 in the English rendering. Uh, Hebrew numbering will be also if you're following along in your Hebrew Bibles, you'll need to uh, pay attention to that. <laughs> And uh, Psalm 79, uh, verses 1 through 9. Neither of these in any way encouraging or hopeful. This is one of the more depressing <laughs> Old Testament selections days that we could do. All um, right, yeah. First Timothy 2, 1 to 7, which I hope is, you know, having Paul in prison is much hop, up, more up. We're looking for a the, little the, more up. That there. is literally the most upbeat thing here. And then you get to the... The, wor- then, the worst parable Jesus ever told. Luke, <laughs> Luke 16, uh, 1 to 13. So, yeah. What is the worst parable Jesus ever told? That's what wow. uh, somebody driving by a church saw this. It's like, uh, it was, the, pay attention to what people put on the signs this this coming week. For, is, this the, is this the unjust steward? Yeah, is this the, the, the unjust oh, steward. this is, I am so, I didn't, I didn't look ahead to my shame. <laughs> I am so excited. I literally just referenced this oh, last night. So okay. I'm, I'm and in result of a current popular culture phenomenon. So maybe I might have something to contribute. Oh, that like, would be I good. That'd be I good. I don't know. Actually, but what I'm what I've got to contribute, I got from you. So I don't know uh, oh, how helpful okay. I'll be. So. Yeah. I just I just quickly revisited it. I'm like, oh yes. It's, well, I it's just hope that you will follow us on Twitter, that you'll like us on Facebook, uh, that we're doing this on the day we normally drop it. So this mm-hmm. is going to, Mike's going to be under the, under the wire to edit this. Maybe. So we'll try not to have any crises. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. On the, yeah. On the other hand, I haven't mowed my lawn in any month, so I might have to go do that first. So uh, either way, yeah. either way. So, well, we got caught up before, um, and talked about all sorts of crazy things. The so Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. did. I did go to the Museum of the Bible this mm. week. And, uh, um. It was fine. <laughs> wow. There's a, let's put that on the back of the dust jacket. Is it fine? It wasn't horrible. It wasn't. It wasn't horrible. No. I've been to horrible things. Uh, this one was not horrible. We don't so, believe in keeping the Bible in a museum, folks. That's right. That's right. We, we send it out on the airwaves. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. All right. So anyway, uh, anything you got to say? 
You got a new chair. You're excited about I that. I have a new chair, not an academic chair, but a chair no. for an academic. I've got a great, <laughs> that is great good. Herman Miller chair. Uh, you keep using that term. I don't, that's I, don't a, that's that a, is, I think it's Herman Miller. I want to say Henry Miller, but he's a, he's a novelist and I'm not that familiar with the chair maker. So, um, <laughs> it's just a really good office chair that I, I, I scan Craigslist for and occasionally like, there's one I can get, you know, let's have my eye wow. on them because they're great chairs. And then someone's selling it for too cheap. And I spend a lot of time online. So it's, it's good. It's a good thing. Teaching. I mean, you spend, teaching. you teach yes. online. Yes. Teach, you I'm teaching. Just... I'm teaching online classes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we know. We can tell. We can yeah. tell. <laughs> yes, I teach a lot of online. I spend. Uh, I spend. You know, it always surprised me. I think, well, I'm just going to go and spend a little bit of time teaching those courses, and it's like I'm always always takes much yeah, longer you, than you you've think. Done a lot of that. It's hard to estimate. Like you know, when you go into a classroom, you know how long you're going to be there. But when right. you go to do an online course, like, well, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong, and things balloon and suck up mm -hmm. your time. So yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, yeah. So that's my, uh, that's my achievement for this, this week oh, and making cool. it through some very, very intense weeks of school. So feel good. Well, I'm going to be out your way in a couple of weeks, um, oh. heading to LA, uh, in uh, the last weekend in September, leading oh. a seminar on, uh, difficult questions with the Samia church again. Oh, so okay. Gonna, uh, but they're going to have it at their retreat center. And so as a result, I'll be doing this in Palm Springs which oh. is nice as I have mm, never been to Palm Springs. Mm, so, I wonder if it'll be comfortable by then. How many I weeks are we talking about? Two more weeks. Okay. It can End still, of September. can still be, that used to be fall about a few decades ago, but with the yeah. climate change, it could be, you could get those, uh, those winds we are talking about coming off of well, the desert. That's, that could be helpful because a lot of the, the difficult questions is rotating on their current study in the book of Exodus and the wilderness okay. wandering. So well, we'll, we'll be in the desert you might uh, in the wilderness. Yeah, and yeah. So might be living it. It's active learning. That's what we're doing. You need to it's lead not. them out into the desert without water I'm, or without food. Without water or food. And then see how long till they start complaining. Yes. <laughs> yes. Why has he led us out here? Oh. Away oh, from I the retreat center where really... we had pomegranates and, and water. leeks and onions. And leeks. <laughs> oh, to have a leak <laughs> or an onion. Let me rephrase that. How about Either an way. onion? <laughs> Either way. Okay. Oh. All right. All right. I Let's think sharing. really, really depressing text today. All right. Yes. That's yeah. the kindest thing I can say about them. Okay. Jeremiah 8. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. It says like when you left the Bible museum. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Hark! The cry of my people from poor, no. far. Cry of my poor people. Oh, the cry of my poor people from far and wide in the land. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their foreign idols? The harvest is past. The summer is ended, and we are not saved. Whoa, that's beginning of a semester sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the endless summer is over. For the hurt of my people, I am hurt. I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of my poor people not been restored? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, so that I might weep day and night for the slain of my poor people. Yeah. That is so Jeremiah. That is classic, <laughs> classic Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, that's hard. It's just, th it, this is an interesting text because nobody, 
I don't think people agree who's speaking. Mm. And okay. they don't agree mm-hmm. on where the quotation marks go. Well, there's and no red letters in mine. There's so no. I, okay, so we'll we narrowed Jesus it down. Out. We narrowed it's down that part Jesus of the Trinity. All we know. Yeah. Um, I've seen many people, in, including many commentators that I respect, who say, well, this is one of Jeremiah's laments that you have here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's certainly possible, though. This is coming on the heels of God saying to Jeremiah, say unto my people. And mm. at the end of this poetic section, you have saith the Lord. And so if okay. you do believe this is Jeremiah, then you believe at some point in this speech, we have changed speakers and have, as readers, no indication that's happened. Mm-hmm. That happens in Hebrew. So yes. that's not outside the realm of possibility. But um I don't know, in my mind, I sort of follow Occam's razor here, and in my mind, I don't know that there's any reason to say God is not saying this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, unless you simply need to argue strongly for the impassibility of God, which I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually believe that God feels grief and sadness. Yes. And, um, and so that's... <laughs> How many times do you encounter that in the Bible? It just doesn't fit our theology, but we just have to ignore these hundreds of occasions yes. where God feels grief and empathy and yes. emotion. When when God says God feels grief and empathy and emotion, you know, and, and well, you know, he's it's it's theater. He's just he's acting like he feels that for us. So astounding. Like, okay, thank astounding. you. So no, I don't I don't think you have to, and but. Another, this is one of those times when do you have to separate them because so often the prophet's message was to embody uh, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and the God's experience. And so whether it's Jeremiah not marrying because God says, I'm going to have no consolation myself, or it's Ezekiel or, or Hosea marrying a prostitute because God says, I've my covenant partner is unfaithful, so you need to have a covenant partner who's unfaithful mm-hmm. so you can preach from knowledge. God, Jeremiah, yeah, maybe this either are the words of Jeremiah. They're also the words of God. Um, and so mm-hmm. the this is a really hard passage to translate. In fact, I saw three different commentaries say that the first word in verse 18 is untranslatable, impossible to render. Don't know how to don't know what it's saying. Which um, which word? At, uh the first word. The 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 NRSV has my joy is gone. Oh. Um that it's one giant word that no one knows what it means. It mm. seems to have the root word for joy in it, but most texts amend it or change it or something. The Septuagint has um, something like, uh, I, it's, I'm unable to be healed. How big um, is a giant word in Hebrew? Uh, seven letters. Eight oh, letters. that is, that is okay. yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. all consonants. <laughs> it's all consonants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's all yeah. consonants. Yeah. yeah. Seven consonants. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and nobody really knows what to do with it. And so I, sickness, uh, without healing has come, uh, something like that. The joy mm. is gone is works. Um, grief is upon me. My heart is sick. I mean, the illness seems to be connected mm-hmm. in, uh, the Septuagint. So I think that rather than my joy is gone, it's probably, I, I, am sick. I'm ill, mm-hmm. um, in all of this. And then you have hark the cry of my poor people or my my the daughters of the people of the land from far and wide, literally is what it says, um, will say, is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? And so the speculation here is that the these these the common people across the land think everything's fine. You know, God's in Zion. The king is there. Uh-huh. Um, and that and there's actually some speculation. You might remember me talking about um, 
a hypothetical enthronement ceremony that there's no necessarily mm-hmm. any evidence for that Sigmund mm-hmm. Movinkel believes is there. Well, scholars believe that maybe this is a quote from that hypothetical service ceremony that, that we're not sure actually happened. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a, what more do you need? What more do you need? <laughs> yes. It's pretty obvious. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> Let's walk out further on this slim, <laughs> slim branch, and it really is the way we do things sometimes. Yeah. But uh, but the question, you know, God is is God not in Zion? Is the King not there? And then then we switch, we switch speakers. So I think what is happening is we have God speaking in eighteen, God saying, "Hark, the cry of my poor people far in line," and they mm-hmm. say, "The people say, is the Lord not in Zion? Is the King not in her?" And oh, then that's interesting. God's, and then God says, "Why have they provoked me?" to anger with their images and their foreign idols. Hmm. And then the people say the harvest is past and the summer is ended and yet we're not saved. And then it cuts back to God saying for the hurt of my poor people, I am hurt. I mourn in dismay and is taken hold of me. This is the saddest um, responsive reading ever. It, <laughs> it, is. it is. It really is. Um, and, and, God asked the rhetorical question, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Uh, obviously, God is the balm in Gilead. God is the physician there. And then God says, and why then has the health of my poor people not been restored? Um, and this is on the mm. heels of God sending an adder and snakes and people being unrepentant and their choices that they have made that have led this to be. And then God says that my head were a spring of water, my eyes a fountain, I might weep all day and night for the slain of my poor people. Um Again, this could absolutely be Jeremiah. It also could absolutely be God. And then we go right from there into uh, a lament of God uh, that is part of this, that, that is sort of more directly a lament of God. I prefer to see the glass of tears as half full. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, call me an optimist. Well, well, as you have often said, the pessimist will say the glass is half half empty, but the optometrist, optometrist will say, it's a matter it's of focus. It's all about focus. It's That's all right. Focus. It's all about focus. <laughs> and I choose to focus on the positive. Um, <laughs> that was, I almost wet myself the day you said that, just so you know, I was That laughing. was part of my leadership speech. It was. It was. <laughs> the pessimist will say the glass is half empty, but the optometrist will say it's all about focus. Which so I, I prefer to focus on the positive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I told you that my first two classes at the school were... Yes, leadership. <laughs> for leadership. Leadership. Which, again, as I said, is evidence God has a sense of humor exactly. and it's a little twisted at the end of the day. <laughs> Um, this, I said last week that, that Jeremiah, it's hard to organize. This is on the heels of the temple sermon, uh, that is in, you know, Jeremiah is, are, is giving these words standing in the door of the temple. Um, and this is probably happening after Josiah has died. Uh, Jehoiakim has come on the throne and where Josiah was concerned about doing what God wanted. Jehoiakim is not concerned about doing what God wanted hmm. and is more about just writing the, you know, writing the success that, that. Uh, he he inherited, and um, right that economy was already going up when he became. It king. was it yeah. was, and so he was willing to to live with that and do what he wanted to do, and God is not mocked, and and that this this God seems to be. I would argue in this passage, God is making the the case that thing bad things aren't happening because God wants them to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, God is the balm in Gilead. God is the physician. You know and. And yet they are the ones provoking me with their images and their foreign idols. They're the ones who are opposing the poor. They're the ones who have combined worship. Um, and it's it's absolutely eating God up inside. Hmm. Um, it, it's that is interesting. The nuance the nuance is so different when you break it down that way. That is, it, it, This is kind of like these oblivious people. It's just, it is. That's it exactly what it is. Very pious on the surface, like we were talking right. about last week. 
Yeah. Right. And and it's really interesting that the paired reading that we're not doing today is Amos 8, because Amos, I always tell the students, Amos is the objective outsider. Amos is the one with the clipboard who's coming in to, mm-hmm. you know, do the evaluation. He's the, you know, he's the accrediting officer who comes mm-hmm. in and goes, oh, man, that wall's out of plumb. We're going to have to tear that down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Jeremiah is the, so, I mean, Amos is great for when you need to remind people that the destruction that is coming, you brought on yourself and is totally deserved. I mean, you absolutely brought this on yourselves. Mm-hmm. The choices you made have resulted in these consequences and, and that's, it's fair. It is absolutely fair and appropriate right. that this is happening. Right. And Jeremiah, uh, right, exactly. And then Jeremiah comes along and says, and it's absolutely tearing God up inside. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you choose to do this and bring about this is absolutely just tearing God up inside. Um, yeah. his eyes are a fountain of tears if mm-hmm. his head was a spring of waters. Um, mm. and so, yeah, I, it is, mm. I do not understand those who advocate for the impassibility of God because the God that I read about is a God who is deeply passionate about everything that is going on, mm-hmm. um, both right. positively and yeah. negatively. Yeah. Well, we are talking about, uh, top down and bottom up theology. And that's, that's yeah. one of those things that very early in church history inherited some Greek categories of God that right. try to fit God into from, uh, from a tradition that's totally foreign. And, and thank goodness it's not, not the right. God we encounter in the Bible in either, right. in either Testament. Well, uh, as I, I often said to the students when they asked me about, you know, the omnis or, or some, some sort of theological question where it was, mm-hmm. it was like that. And I said, well, sometimes can, I think can that God Greek, heat a burrito so hot, yeah. he, even he can't eat it. Yeah. Yeah, even God can't eat it. Yeah. Um, he can, but he walks around with that dragon mouth. Going, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> That's not good. Um, the, uh, what, what I've often said is Greek metaphysical categories of a Hebrew God might not necessarily speak to 21st century America the way we'd like sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of cultures coming to play in a lot of our readings that we have to remember. Yeah. Well, you know, to be, become even more obscure, I'll give it 30 seconds, our, our call it the theologian colleague, former yes. colleague, would say, actually, the church fathers were doing some very creative apologetics yes. and using those categories, and we were the ones who were misreading them That's by per- perpetuating those things. So, Well, yeah. by, by removing, always, by removing those arguments from their context yeah. and the occasion that they yeah. were making them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets into, gets into trouble. Boy, People are go. furiously writing notes down at this point. I know one, they are. Right? That's I what ended. I was about to say. People are trying to grab these issues as we... Let's, you know what? Let's take a few minutes to talk about Cyril. No, no, let's go on. <laughs> um. Psalm 79. How about that? Okay, all right. Let's move on. Because it's the same, same issue, and that's on some levels, only this is now going to be the bottom-up part of it in the psalm versus God being upset. Okay. Actually, I want to see the whole psalm here. Okay, psalm I'm sorry, 79. unless you want to say something else about Jeremiah. I just got no, I no, ready to go. No, that's good. All right, Psalm 79. O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the air for food, the flesh of your faithful to the wild animals of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. Uh (laughs) (laughs) How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will you be angry forever? Will your jealous wrath burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know of you. 
and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. Do not remember against us the iniquities of our ancestors. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. I was barely holding it together because I'm just thinking every Simpson scene I've ever seen. <laughs> With Nelson. A, this could go really bad if I mentioned Nelson. Um, oh, man. This is an unusual selection to me for the lectionary because there's 13 verses to this psalm. And mm. verse 13 is actually hopeful and optimistic. And 10 and 11 are not that much more depressing than this. So I don't know why we didn't just add the next mm-hmm. you know, four verses to this reading and read the whole psalm. It's really yeah. interesting that we chose to do that. Uh, this is what happened eventually, right? Jeremiah was warning this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and here, here is it's happened. <laughs> Um, this, this is a book three Psalm book three is a, a book of the exile is what I've often called it. It, it starting in 73 on it is, is the temple has been destroyed. And al- although I, I will, I should make room for those wacky scholars to go, you know, it doesn't necessarily say the temple has been destroyed here and they don't mention the fire that burned it. So maybe this is another problem that they had there in Jerusalem that they were writing a Psalm about. And I suppose that's true, but hmm. I should say that this Psalm is a psalm that is read on the ninth of Ab every year, which is just a few weeks ago, which remembers the destruction of both temples, Babylonian and Roman. Uh, and it is a psalm that is said every Sabbath in by the Western Wall, every Sabbath, um, remembering the destruction of the temples. So it might have been another time there were corpses all around Jerusalem with birds pecking. That's at their... right. I mean, there's ah. an, so often it happens so often. <laughs> Goodness, um, but. All of that said, uh, let me say that, uh, yeah, this is obviously a, a reference to, and you pointed out the corpses, that this is a, a one of the features of um, ancient warfare is you mm. don't bury the enemy. You let them, uh, mm-hmm. the bodies rot as a warning to uh, others and let them serve as carrion. So, I mean, you can imagine how that would defile a temple complex as people mm-hmm. go through and leave corpses of priests and such there. And there yeah. were so many dead, there weren't enough to even come out and take care of it. Mm. Um, verse five, how long, O Lord, I've mentioned several times. That's a rhetorical feature of lament. Anytime mm-hmm. you see how long, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a lament. Um, the song will be an E minor without question. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, uh, it's dark, um, all the way yeah. through. This is almost metal. Yeah. This is beyond blues. I'm thinking yeah. this is, yeah. <laughs> this is brutal. It's so brutal. Brunch or something else. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I taught lament this week in my uh, to my you? to my I'm leader so with proud. with Kermit. Oh, the frog! What a great idea! <laughs> yeah, I took that from you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not easy being green. Yes, it's not. It was very helpful. It was very helpful. It's and, so uh, funny that that song has all the features of lament, all mm-hmm. of them. In fact, yeah. if Kermit at any point would have said, "Oh God, it's not oh God. easy being green," he would or have how everything. long? How long are we going to be green? Oh Lord, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was helpful for students, and 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 there was an assignment where they had to find a lament, you know, already. Yeah. So it would have been better if I'd done that before I gave them that assignment. But yeah, 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 and and uh, actually, maybe you could speak to this or or just ignore it. But 
as I was, I was doing that because we're studying Esther and yeah. uh, that's the one that's the book we're working through and and they're going to write their final papers on Odd and it's choice. kind of it's kind of okay. like a well it's an interesting one for leaders it is it's a it's a it's a curious one yeah. but not not horrible it's it's uh, yeah. actually has some things if you if you look at it closely there might be some really good stuff there yes yes um but it, it seems like to be a drama of lament. You know, they have all the, uh, you have the people enacting that, uh, the steps mm-hmm. of lament and the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the reversal and exaltation at the end. And, and, uh, and I found, I found a source that really, um, it paraphrases it so that you get all the honor and shame stuff. It, so, the VeggieTales uh, version no, of it? No, oh, not, no, not, not the Oh, there's a VeggieTales. Okay. There is. Queen Esther. I might, I might have to, oh, that, I have to use it's that. Only, it's only a half hour. It was the thing that Phil Fisher, Phil Fisher did to see if they could actually pull off like Jonah. So it was just oh, a, okay. a little bit larger in scope than your typical 20-minute VeggieTale. I and, might have to get an excerpt of that for, uh, for our last class on Monday night. That'd be yeah. good. Yeah, but anyways, but yeah. you found a source yeah. that did honor shame. Oh yeah, it did. It gave it, it gave some categories of honor shame, and then as you enter into uh, the story, it, it paraphrased the the book so you get that. It was like mm-hmm. for some people because they're writing their 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 uh, final papers on Esther, that was just what they needed. Mm-hmm. And of course, that it, they gave me opportunity to use the uh, Godfather clip with them. Sure. So, so yeah, but that's yeah, it was it was interesting because even for a an accelerated class uh, for um, business leaders. It was very helpful, very helpful, helpful to get into this, some of that stuff. And I imagine, you know, some of the categories in Lament and uh, just just to leave, you know, to to uh, erase a person and destroy a person with shame, you know, leaving their bodies unburied and such. There's just so much of that on every page of the Bible that it's always worthwhile to spend a little bit of time there. Anyhow, yeah. that's my uh, cul-de-sac. I took us down. Um. You might notice you were talking about the shame and lament that uh, they tell God to pour out God's anger on the nations that don't know God. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of, the, and, and we get that a little later in the psalm, they want vengeance, but mm-hmm. they want God's vengeance. There is not a sense in which they're mm-hmm. enacting their own vengeance right? Um, in this, which I think is interesting. And, and you do see that honor language here, and so it's very relevant you bring this up because they're asking God to deliver us for God's name's sake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so in other words, God, you're going to look bad right. if you don't intercede here. Um, so so it is, there is a tremendous amount of honor, shame, patron, client in particularly the first two thirds of the psalm mm-hmm. uh, when we are, well, in the laments, basically. There's that sense in which we're trying to do what we're supposed to do, God. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing what you're supposed yeah. to do, God? Yeah, yeah. And... Um, yeah, the lever the leverage of a lament is within the honor shame world. It is. It yeah. is. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And and so that's what verse nine is trying to invoke that God, you know, we've done what we were supposed to do. Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, For your name's sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you see that, it's like, oh, that's everywhere. Hmm. That's and see, we've we've become a mock for our neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, our neighbors are mocking us. Yeah. God, so you need to do something about this. Yeah. Because you're looking bad. Yeah. Oh, I should say, uh, my new boss, my supervisor, was sitting in when oh. I'm doing when I'm doing Kermit and I'm doing The Godfather. So it was a good night. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's good, a good night. It was a good man. night to be observed. He was there for two and a half hours sitting in my class. Oh, wow. It's a four-hour class. So. Yeah. Well, I'm weren't honored you supposed to, to use one of my you, ideas. So. Yeah. Weren't you supposed to leave at a certain point? 
was having I think too he much was, fun. <laughs> he was. He was having too much fun. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good stuff. It's very helpful. I do. I, I, I say, okay, what has Rob, Rob done with this? Let me look. Yeah. Oh, good. Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you found all my active learning stuff. Because, yeah. Because I could never find anything. That's why I put all that out there. Is Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, active learning is important. Well, what's it look like for Bible study? I, well, I, 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 well, I remember. Very important. We had lots of conversations about that yeah, stuff. I just put it up on a website. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, you want to move on to the New Testament to something happy and you know, yeah, up, something and, upbeat. First Timothy yeah. two. I thought I thought, oh, is this going to be eight and following? No, it's two Good. one to seven. People Found always it. skip this when they get to the uh, controversial verses. Yeah, First Timothy two one to seven. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. That is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself, human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This is attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Okay. This is actually a... the text I'm preaching from. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. That's an odd. That's always struck me as odd. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying <laughs> that yeah. he's saying this to uh, to Timothy, who's like, yeah, I know. We've kind of hung out. <laughs> Probably that remembrance that this is being read publicly, like you yes, said. right. We that's true. We yeah. don't read things privately right. back in. This and it's time. it's it's one of the things that point people point to, and they don't take that into account. Yeah. yeah. So this is yeah. So have you already done some study on this? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is always skipped over as people are rushing to, uh, well, not even to 2.8, but to 2.9 through 15 to, to get those women to be silent. Right. right. A good test of your Bible translation is to see if the word for quiet in 2 is the same as the word used for quiet in 11. Okay. Or, or uh, you know, uh, some translations, the same word, some translations will have quiet when it's talking to everyone, including men. But then when it's, when it's used for the women, it's silent. silent. Yeah. And there's a, and there's a difference. Right? Yes. There's a difference. You know, one is uh, how you go about it. And the other one is, is whether you go about it right? or uh, uh, a community of mimes, you know, <laughs> you can imagine how disruptive a community of mimes would be with, <laughs> with, certainly. with their glass boxes and ropes they're pulling on. And uh, yes. Did you so. see, ever watch Phineas and Ferb, the time when uh, Doofenshmirtz invented the miminator and he, he <laughs> no. got irritated all the mimes and he ended up trapping the mimes all in invisible glass boxes? <laughs> no. And the, uh, and the supervisor of, of Perry the Platypus said, uh, you know, it took us a few days to discover it because we just thought they were really good mimes. <laughs> <laughs> I just always love that scene. <laughs> If you can, if you can so easily, you know, parody someone's craft with that, and everyone recognizes it, exactly. you better you better get some new angles on your your craft of being a mime. Yeah, but you're saying God doesn't want a community of mimes. That's what Not I'm hearing you say. Not to say that the, the the reality of mimes, because our good friend Doug Jones yes, is, he is. was trained an as a mime, and that's mime. what makes him such an exceptional actor. Yes, it but is uh, true. um. Yes, that's a good test. And by that's the way, just test. won an award last night. He won the Saturn Award for Best Actor in a Streaming Series uh, last night. Uh, so congratulations oh. to Doug Jones. Yeah, and, uh, great. 
I'm sure. If, I'm sure Doug's a regular listener to our I'm podcast. sure he is. He's, <laughs> <laughs> While he's getting made up, remembering yeah. our good times together. He's got a lot of time in the chair. Yes. That's, right. That's right. Yeah. So that is a good test, and uh, it's surprising how often the translations fail that test because this this is yeah. leading up to that context. You're talking about Timothy being dispatched to a church that um, the public gathering is in disarray, and it's it's seems to be manifestations of one problem of an errant uh, theology, which is being spread through a small handful of um, men who are named and more broadly through networks of, of women. And um, so he does, it's, he's, the next verse here is, is eight, where he talks about how men should pray. And then, it, and then he spends some, uh, you know, nine through 15 talking about the women talking, so he has gendered examples of a remedy for this this mm. chaos that's breaking out during their worship service. Um, he doesn't give much space to the men here, but he does everywhere else in the letter mm. and names them by name and what should be done to them. And so it's a more general manifestation amongst the women, and uh, we we typically always read it wrong it's uh yeah. it's not a good place to drop it like anything like anything you're reading in scripture dropping in it's with no context it's, you're not you're not going to get it right so but this is this would not be a foreign sort of thing for it had to happen in a synagogue uh, amongst Judaism or even at the temple as um, they are subject of Rome and other uh, people groups and ethnicities are required to make offerings and uh, prayers to the emperor. Mm -hmm. The Romans, uh, respecting ancient traditions, have allowed the Jews to make offerings on behalf of or prayers for the emperor and something analogous to that in synagogues. So you're not, you know, you're not, you're not praying to the emperor, right. even though they are promoting uh, imperial temples in, in different regions. Um, and, and, and Ephesus later is really one where they are promoting that in Asia minor. And that's, that's really one of the crisis, really the crisis of, of revelation, the, the, uh, the strong imposition of imperial worship. And the crisis for Christians is that they're being kicked out of synagogues and, and, mm -hmm. uh, slandered as saying, Hey, these guys aren't Jews. Look at, they're not going to the temple. So mm -hmm. it could be a life or death issue. But, um, this wouldn't. This isn't really a compromise. Uh, this is something that's that uh, it was a good kind of umbrella and protection that the the Jews had. They could pray um, for for good leadership. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul, as one who has spent time in <laughs> in Roman prisons, uh, he right. can understand the uh, the interest in in good leadership and also the the public face that the Christians present. In that uh, Rome is like, well, what are they? What's who are these people causing unrest? Let's kill them all and figure it out later. You know, right. that's what they that's what they do. So it's it's very important that you don't have um, you know a riot when you come together. Right? Right. There's literally a riot at Ephesus in the book of in the book Acts. of Acts, and the guy says, "Look, I don't know what we're arguing about, but if Rome hears about this, <laughs> we right. had better we had better stop this. You know, because right. you know what's going to happen. So uh, it's it's very." Very important, and this is this is written to Ephesus, uh, dispatched Timothy to Ephesus. So, it's an interesting balance between um, what might what might be construed as like um, um, another leader, another uh, king, and the the true uh, God and the true meter. So, it's maybe there's an awareness of that and a balance of that out in the second half of this reading. 
it's interesting to me that that the and and I'm it's helpful to talk about the word for quiet being the same in verse two and in, and later mm-hmm. on when he talks about the women because the the kind because obviously I, I I guess what I'm saying is that what he he what he's describing there in verse two and then in thinking about it being connected to what's going on in this local church that that to me is very reminiscent of what he talks about in Corinthians when he mm-hmm. talks about uh, spiritual gifts and talks about worship being peaceable, um, that, you know, we are called to peace that, that when he talks about yeah. the worship experience itself, and it seems that, and, and I have no problems thinking this, that it seems that for him, that that experience in worship is one that should also be experienced in daily living as well in the way in mm. which we are responding to Kings and, and, uh, and these teachings that we have, as well. I don't know. It just yeah. seemed an interesting yeah. connection there between those, mm-hmm. those words. Yeah. 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 That you want, you want to be, he's, he's aware of both the, the possibility for in, external problems, but mm-hmm. this is actually, this letter is rooted in the internal problems, mm-hmm. which he doesn't want that to spill over into, uh, into be the persecution and, you know, crushing of the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, that's uh there, there wasn't any empire wide, persecution going on in, in Paul's time, even though, even though he was killed. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, that's by not, the, the, yeah. <laughs> by Rome, the guy who says this, the guy who says, you know, Romans 13 about, you know, obeying is like, how did he die? Yeah. Let's yeah. kind of, <laughs> let's kind of calibrate this within the context of a, of the Roman world. What did that mean? So, um, yeah, it is a, it is a, it is a consistent theme throughout. It's not a, it's not a, a litany of uh, different things as you go through. Um, it's one root, uh, uh, it's rooted in one problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's true for Cor- Corinthians too. And there are a lot of similarities between the error, the theological error at Corinth and the theological error at, uh, at here at Ephesus. But the, the, the letters look so different because Paul's going through a list of problems. And if you trace them all back, it seems to go to the same source. So, mm-hmm. Uh, but here it, he is preparing for uh, talking about orderly life uh, inside the church and out, and and that's what he's going to say about men, and that's really his his goal, you know, for what he's going to say about women in the balance of the chapter. So yeah, it is a uh, it's a it's a helpful to read <laughs> a full context for uh, yes, some is. very misunderstood verses. Yeah. Okay, well, you ready to do your favorite parable, uh, Luke 16? <laughs> Jesus' worst parable ever. The worst, it was, a, it was on front of the church, the sign said, the, the worst parable Jesus ever told. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. awesome. Uh, then Jesus... So you, you can blame Jesus if I, this doesn't right, go well. Oh, no, you're not, you're not going to do this. I'm not doing this one. I'm doing ah, it, Timothy. Okay. Um, Luke 16, for, for obvious reasons, if we get into it. Luke 16, <laughs> yeah. 1 to 13. Then Jesus said to the disciples... There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What will I do? Now that the master is taking the position away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided to do... I've decided to do... Wait. I have decided what to do, so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said, take out your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said, take your bill and made it 80. 
Then his master commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted shrewdly, for the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm sure that wasn't the punchline, but I'll keep reading. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. Jesus probably said, now now stick with me. Stay stay with me. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you true riches? And if you are have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one or love the other or be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. <laughs> okay, Luke. Luke, did Jesus really tell it that way? <laughs> or is this more of the Luke telling? Of this? <laughs> oh, what were you trying to get at? Oh, well, that more was or less. For, yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think you sold it. I don't think you yeah. landed the parable. Jesus there. didn't talk this way in Mark. What do you? Yeah. <laughs> they were more shorter and easier to diagram. <laughs> Jesus' parables. Yeah. So yeah, is I think he's a good guy or a bad guy or a clever bad guy or a good bad. What's yeah, happening yeah, here? Yeah. There. Well, if you go to Lots of uh, commentaries, you'll notice they spend a lot of time on this parable. Yeah, they should. <laughs> one is one is just it is it it does it does require you to to stick with them. And there's a there's an abrupt translation from interior view of the story to an exterior view that's very consistent with kinds of things Jesus has been saying about wealth and hospitality and right. and uh, giving alms. So that. Uh, uh, but uh, the, the, yeah, the difficult transition, and then the uh, the difficulty of the fact that within the story, there's no good characters. Mm-hmm. You know, the tendency to want to read it allegorically. Um, so you have a lot of a, a lot of commentators trying to uh, re- rehabilitate the manager, who Jesus refers to as dishonest, okay? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and who the the master in the story refers to as dishonest. So you not believe how much people write about, well, in that day, a, uh, a, a manager had his own percentage that he could take <laughs> off his own, you know, tip, you know, you don't have to tip me, you know? Wow. It's like, no. <laughs> and his master commended the dishonest manager, okay? Yeah. And, D- and Jesus says the same thing. So, um, when I, when I was teaching, when I was a visiting professor at Fuller many moons ago, when I had my sabbatical out there and I was teaching the, the, uh, the road movie course and we got to this, we were using this for, I forget what, what text we were reading with this, uh, what, what movie we were watching. They struggled with this so much. Yeah. It was so funny. It was just it not, they didn't struggle with anything else in the course, but they really struggled mightily with this. And, and I said, why do, why do you suppose we are struggling with this? Why do you think that this is so difficult? And one guy raised his hand. Thank God there's people like this in, yeah. in classes. And he goes, because we're evangelicals. <laughs> <He> said, <laughs> We don't want to have any bad guy. We want to have a good guy so we can think that, okay, that's the God guy yeah. in, in, the, in the story. And so I'll, I'm going to go with that. But this one, this one is like many, many, uh, I think we're actually, I think we're actually watching Road to Perdition, which was uh, an interesting, mm. interesting choice uh, as you, well, anyway, I don't want to get into another conundrum, but um, you can take away something from uh, crime movies where there's no good guys, you know, yeah. purportedly there's, this, this is a crime families, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about someone who, who leaves, but you're discerning wealth, you're discerning wisdom from stories where there's no good guys. 
Now, and that's what Jesus is saying. Look, even the, the, within the story, it's the children of this world. It's an entirely worldly scenario that Jesus is saying, look, even they, they can see the, um, the fact that the, the future is very uncertain, and they can use something as uncertain as, as wealth, as mammon, to secure their future. Why aren't you doing that within these steps out of the internal perspective of the parable? Mm-hmm. How much more should the children of light do that with with their possessions, knowing that uh, um, that the judgment is coming, and that Jesus taught what you do with your material possessions, particularly in Luke, that shows you what's what your heart is like with God. And so there's these many many encounters with rich people who can't become disciples because they can't loosen their grip on on their wealth and their their mammon. And so it's talked about as a competing god. And in some translations, mammon or, or wealth in the NRSV is, is capitalized. It's mm-hmm. a competing God. It is a force that will master you rather than you think you're mastering it. And so serving two masters, you can't serve two masters. It, it, one will, you know, you'll be devoted to one or to the other. So within Luke, there's a lot about using your wealth for the poor, um, using your resources to, to establish connections and be in solidarity with the poor and how God in that equation, in this new economy, God will then reward you and welcome you into his uh, habitations or, or household. So, so that's verse nine. I mean, help me with verse nine. I mean, just that oh, nine. make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Yeah. And so there, that in verse nine, this is what's particularly confusing that that he has his foot in each world mm-hmm. there. The, the exhortation, the principle, the underlying principle of the exhortation is very consistent with what Jesus has been saying about wealth and relation to God receiving you and God uh, providing for you. But it's also consistent with the internal world. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there's honor, shame issues going on there. Um, but the, within the world, this is why when you're, uh, when you, when you're fired, they the can the uh, the office security brings boxes you know and they usher you out because you there's a lot of mischief you can do in the time mm-hmm. between when you're dismissed and you leave the building so this guy's up to some mischief but very uh shrewd in light of the fact that uh, I can't do anything else um I'm going to use this wealth which really isn't mine which is a which is a perspective within the world of the parable and exterior. It's like this isn't your wealth, mm-hmm. you know. This is a very jubilee understanding of wealth. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. you're just this isn't your land. I'm giving you this land. Right. That's why you got to do this stuff for the poor and such. Um, so he's shrewd in that he's using his he's he's merely a manager of wealth, and he uses that shrewdly so that these other. These are pretty rich people. These are mm-hmm. these are well-off people. He's he's in both of them the uh, the amount that he's taking off their bill is about 500 days labor, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not a not a small amount. Um and that is in the honor shame patron client world, he is acting like a patron for these debtors and their strings attached. They need to respond somehow and they may hire him as a manager or simply do other favors for him in, in his in his soon to be destitute mm-hmm. situation that he will find himself in. Uh, also involved is the fact that the uh, the honor of the the master himself 
he's seen as benevolent to these people and, and granting favors. It's not like he can go back and say, no, no, that right. wasn't me who was being benevolent. That right. was this, you know, like, that would be a very shameful thing to do. So this guy's really working the system well. Yeah. And, and Jesus says, look at if these people in this completely fallen system, the people, uh, children of darkness, if they know how to handle things that really aren't theirs, the wealth that they're managing, how much more should um, children of light disciples uh, take that perspective on all their possessions, which really aren't theirs, which really is you're just simply temporarily managing uh, the resources of someone else, God, and your future is as as precarious as this guy's. Okay, this is what Jesus is saying as he's getting closer to Jerusalem. You get more and more about the coming judgment and how much more you need to uh, need to reconcile with the one who's uh, going to bring you to the to the judge, or the you need to get your lives right before the the judgment. Um, that's something so I, th- yeah, it, I was going to say, something I think we miss probably culturally is that we often read this and think it's about the money and it's, mm-hmm. and it's really not about the money. I mean, his, his point is, I mean, he's, he's getting money. Yes. But what he's really doing is playing the system so that he's yes. going to have honor for those individuals he is discounting and they're going to like this guy for reaching out to them and doing mm-hmm. this. And yep. he has put his boss in a place where his boss cannot come back and say, right. I wasn't trying to be nice. Yes. Um, without yes, him a man, looking shameful. A great, a great patron's never going to say that. Right. It's, and it's so their... he's, he's really him, the patron in, so there really is nothing the patron can do here. No, um, no. And, and that's, and then when the, when the, when the rich man says, um, his master commended the dishonest manager yeah. like, oh man, you outfoxed me. me. You, you know? got me. That was clever. And there's a lot of folk tales about that, mm-hmm. about outfoxing the rich, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, you got me. It's, it's not, it's not commending his behavior in and of itself, but within that, within that world, within that systems like, of honor, shame is like, yeah, what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. you, uh, you outfoxed me on so that one. He's let's, let's do it this way. He is using the wealth to position himself to be received well into the homes of these people afterwards. And Jesus's right. commendation is use the dishonest wealth of this world in such mm-hmm. a way that it mm-hmm. positions you well to be received by your father in heaven. Yes. And also he's saying, give alms. He's saying, use wealth in a way that's upside down to this world. He usually you're commending yourself to someone who's greater than you so they can do favors within this, the economy of the kingdom, Jesus is saying, use wealth for those who can't repay you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a consistent theme from 14, 15, 16, which is rarely noticed that there's parables told about someone facing a crisis, mm-hmm. having a, coming to a resolution, usually within an interior monologue. And those people are never good people. I mean, they, they're, they stand out because you don't usually get a psychological view into mm-hmm. someone's head. So they kind of stand out. And most of those characters aren't positive examples in and of themselves within the world. They're kind of, sh- maybe they're shrewd, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, like the, uh, the prodigal son, mm-hmm. he's not really repenting. He's saying, Hmm, how can I get that? How can right. I get some how square I, meals? Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, the, the message is not like, I'll go and I'll be, you know, if you repent, God will take you back as a second class citizen. You know, right. that was his understanding. I'm right. going to be a slave now. Um, but you have people who uh, Jesus is before that in 14 is talking about, uh, 
having feasts and having meals with people who can't pay you back. Mm-hmm. Don't don't invite people who can pay you back. What good is that? Right. Invite the poor and the lame, you know, and the people who are excluded. So that doesn't make any sense. But he's he's saying Jesus is saying, be in solidarity with the poor. Use your use your resources to um to, in, to grant favors to those people who can't even repay you back, mm-hmm. because in God's economy, that's that what commend, that's what commends you to the master. Okay. So what what started this conversation about this last night is um, the Joker movie that's coming out with uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, and mm-hmm. uh, I've seen a lot of articles and a lot of people talking about sort of the dangers of making heroes out of villains, and yeah. that that you know this is a situation mm. where we are. Are, are holding up an individual who probably is representing misogyny, who's probably representing, you know, a lot of issues that we are not going to. But in the, in the effort to attempt to make this sympathetic, that we somehow glorify it um, mm-hmm. and, and that people miss the, they might miss the satire, you know. They, they, yeah. They, they, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not uncommon for people to think Fight Club is glorifying toxic masculinity mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. lampooning toxic masculinity. And, yeah. Uh, and so, so, We've, I was having this conversation and it was like, you know, I just, I don't know how I feel about these movies and that's such a bad thing to vilify heroes. And then, and when I started thinking about vilify or hero, hero villains as opposed to vilify yeah. heroes, hero villains. Um, uh-huh. And I started thinking about that and I said, you know, I agree with you and I hear that, but at the same time, Jesus told a story with a villain mm-hmm. to make a positive yeah. point at the end. So I'm wondering if maybe it wasn't a very good story. It wasn't a very good story. <laughs> Nobody liked it, but uh, I don't know how they responded. We don't like it. But I, <laughs> I wonder if there's not something where we might want to just tap the brakes a little bit and say, maybe there is virtue in trying to learn a lesson by looking at a villain every now and then. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've had this. I mean, I've just glanced at uh, the trailer oh, and then I've seen, I have seen some headlines. I go, oh yeah, I don't know if we want to hero-fy this guy. Yeah. The second trailer because, in particular was really intense. Uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't even seen the bad trailer, but, but it's because, because we're not very good readers right. or listeners or, or film goers. Right. That's the, uh, that's the warning. The, the conundrum is like, yeah. well, should, should we become better? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I, I find myself on the fence, even though I invested, you know, a couple decades in a, in a film series, films, right. film series because we should, right. you know, we should become better and that it's all, it's all game. You know, yeah. we can, we can bring the light that we have to any conversation, right. you know, and, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm taken aback by the movie and I'm taken aback that I'm. I'm waffling yeah, on that. No, I, I you know? absolutely understand. And I may not have any appetite for that movie, and and it may not. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, is. it, it could. It, could they go so far? You know, I don't know. I don't know the nature of the movie that much. I could imagine. I can imagine they could go like, "Whoa! Why did you? You did, you could have hinted at that and not right. shown that in all the detail. Right. You know, it, 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 there is a point where things become pornographic, correct? That correct. and heinous. Yeah. But I don't know what about this movie. I don't no. either. And I mean, I, it's been intense and I don't have a, I don't know that I have a desire to see it either, but I do think mm-hmm. that, boy, I don't, I mean, how do you wrestle with, they're not going to be smart enough to get what we're doing here. 
should we mm -hmm. do it? Um, and, and it's out there in the culture. It is. It's everywhere. Isn't it incumbent upon us to become shrewd yeah. and wise? <laughs> because because how many stories is like if you're just well this this is the whole thing about doing a film series like if you're just going to show if a Christian movie is just a transparent allegory right. Well, then, then I would have shown Chariots of Fire for two decades, right. you know, I wouldn't right. have, but I got to have really good Christian conversations about, you know, movies like Crash right. and other movies with foul-mouthed people and, right. and uh, who are ultimately, there's something, uh, there's a redemptive conversation that, mm -hmm. that comes out of that. Mm -hmm. so, so that's a good, boy, that's a good connection to this. I was, I was, yeah, it just came to me last night and then, then today we're doing this, which is kind of fun uh, to have mm -hmm. that kind of connection, but. I mean, yeah, it, we definitely definitely have to up our game with uh, like becoming shrewd, wise mm -hmm. readers. You know, we're lazy, right. we're lazy sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, because this goes, I and mean, we make complicated analogies, and people make the transition. Like, okay, I get what you're saying. It, it's almost as though we're we we defer to a very simplistic mode of reading when we're reading the Bible. Without question, yeah, yeah. And mean, it's like we'll see th we'll see commercials and TV shows and movies that are very sophisticated, and mm -hmm. we can we can. We can work within that paradigm, but we shift, we downshift when we get to we the Bible. Text. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. So, hmm. well, that was kind of depressing. I guess that's in keeping with our uh, with our theme of our text today. <laughs> Should have so. stopped at an upbeat First Timothy. Should have yeah. stopped it. Yeah. yeah, everyone knows First Timothy's up. So. Well, you know, the tear, the glass of tears is half it full. Is. Let's that's, just well, take that's that. what I'm going to focus on. So, <laughs> let's. Uh, thanks so much for listening this week. I hope that. Uh, you will like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, reach out to us by email at readinginchurch at gmail.com. And we've now tied our second longest streak. Let's see if we can make it three. See how that goes. Oh, well, now you're just asking for something to come up in my week That's that right. complicates that. <laughs> Have a great week. Blessings. Have a great week. Blessings. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today.